Ladies and gentlemen, Tropa guys, Tropa gals, welcome to Pod Tiki, another episode of Tiki Chat, where I'm here today with what might be my Tiki doppelganger, if you think about it. We, this gentleman here is, is uh, we have uh, an uncanny amount of stuff in common. We both contribute to Exotica Modern Magazine. We both are Tiki Files uh, Italians who also like to dabble in the wine along with our Tiki drinks. We are both authors, although this gentleman has one up me by actually having his book published. We're going to get into that. And uh, so he's pretty much, so I'm, what I am is a less successful version of this gentleman right here. But we're, uh, we both are content creators. Um, he is in the video form. I'm in the audio form. And with that, uh, let's get into it. You can find him as Luca Kini all over the Tikiverse. And let's welcome to the show, Mr. Justin Cristaldi. How you doing, brother? Great. How about you? I am doing wonderful, man. And uh, it's uh, it's finally nice to get you on. We've been talking about doing this for a while, communicating over social meds and all that. Um, we we definitely, I definitely started following or noticing you because of all the wine photos you post. And I was like, what's this tiki guy posting all this wine stuff? And because I'm also into that, I don't, you know, I focus on tiki, but I do, you know, Polynesian or um, prohibition stuff and wine stuff, and you know craft beers and all that so like i'm i'm into that whole realm so when i saw somebody finally doing wine stuff in the tiki universe i was like oh this is this is my, a guy after my own heart right here well sicily's an island and and new zealand <laughs> has wine so you know it's not too far of a stretch right? <laughs> so so uh man before I guess we jump into all these topics. Something that I always find myself doing is I jump in because I, I love BSing with people so much about Tiki and Rome that I forget to give a, uh, for the people that are just, just popping in, man, let's give a little bit about yourself, man. And like how you got into this genre and, um, uh, you know, what, what, what your focus is on. I know you're a writer and a, and a, and a videographer as far as YouTube stuff. Just give a little brief, you know, little description of what you're about, man. Yeah. So, um, my father was, uh, you know, my parents didn't have me till they were about 40 years old. I came across uh, by surprise and he was in World War II and he fought against the Japanese. So he was in South in the South Pacific and he just loved a lot of the way a lot of World War II people, you know, came back with a lot of the culture, a lot of the love for, you know, in spite of uh, the war, they really loved the culture. And he was always into it and I got into it. So at a very early age, and I'm talking as far back as I could remember, I've always been into the Polynesian thing and I was always like uh, one of like nobody <laughs> until the internet <laughs> came out back in the nineties and you would do a search for Tiki. And, you know, there were, I said, wow, there's, there's other people that enjoy the same things I do. And now it's like come full circle where like it's very popular and there's a lot of people into it. So I'm, I'm happy that I'm not just like uh, alone on the, on the life raft somewhere out in the South Pacific. You know, there's a lot of people around me that enjoy it as much as I do. You know, it's funny you say that because I felt the same way when I got into it just, you know, my five or six years ago was um, started the podcast as like a, a hobby because I wanted to kind of and to introduce people I, what i thought was going to be introducing people to this new hobby that i found and then i got into it and realized oh there's already a huge community of of tiki files out there that i had no idea this was just so big as it as it was and um it was really uh it was humbling but also fascinating to realize that oh there's this is already a thing i got so much more to learn what about yeah. oh, i'm sorry i'm sorry man. what what about um how do you feel as are, are you a rum guy as well 
or or is it just like the cocktail aspect of it or do you, are you like a a rum nerd like myself uh my problem is, is i love everything whatever you put in front of me <laughs> i will eat it or drink it there's no problem there um yeah it started out with rum you know i love whiskey i love my bourbon um gin not so much vodka is obviously like the tofu of, of the spirits world mm. but yeah when it comes to rum i mean the diversity is just amazing i think like like 300 different countries make it or how many countries there are and it's very diverse and when you but it's more for me i'll sip it but i i prefer it in a cocktail mixed for sure it's funny because i the the i tell you know my my wine aficionados and i was like oh man i you know i love my wine i know it just enough to be dangerous to know a little bit about a little bit but i've always been intimidated getting into wine because it's so much and then they'll look at me and be like, and like i'm crazy and be like you're into rum you know how, how crazy and on like uh, uh on a like unincorporated all this rum world is where everything is different everything tastes different there's, there's no classification for anything it's like it's super complicated and then i'm like i guess i guess you're right it's it's like the wild west it's way more diverse i mean when you get even if you're into like one particular wine like a merlot you know one from california one from south america one from france but rum i mean it's like times 10 with the diversity could be from all these different regions and and like you said there's no rules it's like the wild west yeah i'm I'm just peering over at my little bar area now and i'm looking at it a dark jamaican uh you know a, a white barbados and, and a and a bottle of a, a jm rum jm from martinique and it's like all three different rums three wildly different flavors and but all rum all in the rum aisle <laughs> yeah i mean i love it when i go to the caribbean you know i i take a break from like the wine and, and the whiskeys and whatever and i just drink all i'll go into the supermarket and i'll find the most obscure rums i could find that i know i can't yeah. find back home and i don't care that, that it tastes like garbage i just want to taste what everybody else is drinking down there you know it's funny uh, i will do that with wine as well though like i remember when i went to when i went to cuba maybe it was just because it was something that i knew i couldn't get anywhere else but i was i was trying to drink like or sample food and and alcohol like everything i could down there so i would get we'd you know, we'd get some is, you know, uh, we tried to, you know, back then when I went in 2019, you can bring stuff back. So I was, you know, we stocked up on Havana Club and all that, but Ronda Santiago. But I also, you know, my wife and I would also get bottles of wine to bring back to the, the Airbnb with us and just kind of like have some local, you know, or if you go to a restaurant, having the having stuff there. And I think I think sometimes uh, we forget that they can get stuff from other places, just not here. So you can get all like the French wines and all the stuff, you know, the, what was I going to say? Oh, I ran myself into a, into a hole. I was talking, oh, the cocktail stuff. You mentioned that you, you prefer stuff in a cocktail. And I was um, perusing the little scant amount of research that I do. That I had time to do before you came on, but is the, is it the latest episode of your show? That's about ice pebble ice. Yeah, just like, last night, actually. I've done a few episodes, and it's funny because um, I, I love ice. I'm a fanatic, and I'm a purist like, like yourself. And it's funny because I do all these episodes. I put so much research into it, and, and then I do something as simple as ice, and I get, like, thousands of views. And I never – I maybe get, like, a few hundred, but I get, like, thousands of views <laughs> on the ice, and it's ridiculous. But um, my neighbor showed me a book, and he we had, like, a whole half-hour conversation about ice. And um, 
I could get into that and water like on levels like I that would put see, most people to sleep for sure. It is something. It's one of those stage. It, it's the stages of being like uh, passionate about something, right? It was like when when it comes to cocktails, like oh, I first start mixing stuff at home, then you start getting better ingredients. And then I start. Then then I then you start making your own syrups and your own blends and stuff like that. And then finally, the last thing to conquer is like to make that perfect ice. You know, like I, I'm still hand crushing my ice with a Louis bag and a mallet. And uh, but I've always wanted to get one of those pebble ice machines, that countertop pebble ice machines. That I find like that would be the epitome. But you know, I, I know there's there's all different kinds of like methods to making the clear ice and the big cube and all that stuff and. Uh, there's one little speakeasy here in town that makes it on the big block and just like literally when you order a drink, just chunks it off the block and puts nice. it in your drink. So that's pretty wild, man. And it does. I am I am big on aesthetics, right? Like if I'm if I'm going to go smoke a cigar and then like I want to I want the band to look old school and pretty. I want to make sure that I'm wearing my, Pan my Panama hat and I got a nice glass of rum and like I want the presentation and the feel of the thing to be right. Right. So when you when you have that good piece of ice or that or just even if it's crushed ice when it falls right in the glass and it looks nice and it, it it's pretty with the i don't do a lot of garnishes at home because i just want to get to the drinking but when it when you order something out and it, the presentation comes and uh you don't think about the ice but it does make such a such a big deal so like an, one of those things that you notice and you're like oh once you get a good one you're like oh yeah that is that does make a difference for sure um I was really surprised that PDT, which is like the most famous speakeasy in Manhattan, they said uh, when I asked, they said we take we get our ice from outside. And at that point, I'm going back many years. I'm like, really, you get it from outside? You can't just make it. And then I was with Garrett, uh, Richard, and we went to existing conditions when they were open, and they had a long clear block of ice and they cut it and they score it and there was about 10 cubes there they accidentally dropped it on the floor and they said we're going to throw it out like no give it to me i'll wash it off <laughs> i'll bring it of course I <laughs> home. But yeah i mean it, it's yeah it's a real craft in itself for sure it's a uh, um like you were saying the water and like the the how to how to not get the bubbles in there and and all that stuff it's a uh, it's pretty um, my, the extent of my of my ice is I just I have the different I, I get excited when I have the different shapes of ice in my fridge and I find the one that fits what I'm doing just right. That's another thing that people I feel well, I say people this is something that I had to learn was that the difference between ordering something out and making something at home or no, or knowing what you figuring out how you like it at home so that you can order it correctly when you're out and a lot of that for me is the dilution. I like a certain size cube, you know, like I. I actually, if if I'm drinking something straight up, I uh, I actually don't prefer the big cube. I prefer one medium sized cube. I feel like that's just the right for me. That's the right dilution to coldness that I want, and I can drink it at my own pace. And uh, so now, and it took me a while of trying different things at home to like, well, how do? Well, okay, well, I don't I don't like this neat, but I, I need something. I need something in there like a splash or something. But if I put the big cube, then it then I find it gets too watered down. So and now I, you know, I got to a point where now when I, if I go to a bar and I'm getting something straight up, I can say, well, just, just give me one small cube, you know, or a couple of, couple of pieces from the well. Exactly. And then the other issue is, is I don't like my, 
you know, if I'm tasting a single spirit, I don't like it warm, but I don't like it so ice cold. I can't taste the nuances and the flavor. Exactly. So you're right. It's people think it's it's crazy, but yeah, there's like the perfect amount and the best way to taste certain spirits straight. And if you don't like them warm is stick that ice cube for like 30, 60 seconds and yank it out. Mm-hmm. And people think that's crazy, but it works. No, it does. Because I, I will often do that. You're, you know, you, you, you can taste it sort of getting there. And even if I'm out somewhere, I'll just reach in with my fingers and grab that cube out. I just before it gets too before it goes too far, you know. The um, and I mean same thing in a cocktail, right? I mean I know we're nerding out about ice for a long time now, but same thing in a. Nobody's <laughs> gonna listen to this, but uh, but right? us. <laughs> but same thing in a cocktail, right? Like um, the difference between you know shaking something with crushed ice and how much crushed ice to use. You know, you don't make it a Mai Tai. I don't like it to be on the rocks, per se. I, but it should have enough crushed ice in there to float, you know, so it stays cold. You know, flat blending a frozen drink versus, like, trying to make a trying to make a, a daiquiri that's more like a frappe, like, versus versus, like, what Martin Kate does, where he just flash blends everything, so you get that nice you get, which I, I like to I like to, I, I tease sometimes that he uses a lot of the same techniques for everything, but I like that flash blending technique because it brings the ice to the top, and and you can put your straw in to where you want, you're not sucking ice off the bottom of the glass and getting stuck in your straw the whole time. Uh, you know, especially especially if you're using a, a a nice straw from Surfside Sips, which if you put in Patiki at checkout, you get 20% off your order. But the uh, shameless plug for my own show. But there you go. Yeah, no, I do, I there's a craft to making that, um, getting that ice just right, and, and even in a cocktail. Yeah, and and it's a comfort zone, uh, you know, for, for like everything. Uh, some people like it ice cold in the summer. Some people, you know, it, it, there really is a very uh, soft spot or sweet spot, so to speak, and it's finding it for sure. No doubt. Tell me, speaking about cocktails and ice and what we like. In recipes and how to make recipes, tell me a little bit about how the book came about, man. What what made you want to do that? Yeah, well, it, it was um, it was around the pandemic, believe it or not. And um, I just said I got to do this. I, I, you know, you pick up all these books; they never really address what you want to address or what you feel needs to be addressed. And I want to tell a little bit of my own story, but then I also wanted to take it to another level because at that time there were a number of great tiki bars in Manhattan. And I was friendly with all of them. So I said, okay, this is old school Tiki. You know, you're Mai Tai, you're zombie, but here are the new people doing it. And so in chapter 10, which is my favorite chapter, that's when I got Garrett Richard and um, Selma fr- from uh, Mother of Pearl and, and, and Brian Miller of the Polynesian to give us what Tiki is in the 21st century. So I definitely wanted to bridge the 100-year history of the tiki cocktail because it's it, maybe not quite a hundred years but we're almost there and we're getting there. Yeah, it's, it's just more than a daiquiri now and now now it's all this other stuff and this is the newer stuff it's funny because i think it's is it 2037 or 35 is the is the 250th year of the anniversary of the u.s and also sort of coincides with the 100th anniversary of tiki in the 30s so from the 1930s so it, it's a ironic i don't know tiki makes the u.s i don't know maybe it's a part of americana but no uh, I, I, I built a lot of uh industries for sure um yeah. both legally and illegally <laughs> <laughs> no i i dig what you said about not being able to find what you were looking for i have all the books as well i mean the 
Potions of the Caribbean is probably my Bible. I read that, like, I, I go back to that so many times, the, the cover's wearing off, but even Shannon's book and all kinds. But one of the things I noticed when I first started getting into it was it leaves out some of the fine detail that can make a drink as far as um, add ingredients and fill with soda water. Well, that, depending on what size glass you're using, that can make a wildly different drink. You know, I, I learned that when I was learning how to make mojitos and, you know, fill to the top. Okay, well, what what glass are you using? Like what? And I when I got when I went to Cuba and I got to watch the people at you know at the Cuban bars making mojitos, I realized okay, they're using a ten ounce Collins glass. I'm going to try that. And I'm so when I'm when I'm making the recipes on the podcast uh, or, or talking about them, I always like to make sure that I I inject what size glass I'm using when i and you know exactly how much crushed ice i'm using and measured out like rather than just saying you know you know take a scoop or a handful of ice well well my hand's gonna be wildly different than you know than ed hamilton's hand who's like about four feet taller than me (laughs) yeah most definitely and i mean believe it or not to nerd out on another factor there's a difference if you're using club soda or seltzer or even Perrier. I don't like those hard, big bubbles. I like those soft, subtle bubbles. So, you know what? Unflavored Perrier might even do a better job of, of uh, infusing that drink and bringing it to where you need it to be. I wish that this was a video show so the audience right now can see how much I'm praising. <laughs> Brother, Justin, I have been saying, my wife thinks I'm a crazy person. I have been saying this since the beginning. I that Mineral water like a Perrier or I I always use San Pellegrino it it's softer bubbles the bubbles are softer and she thinks I'm crazy I'm like no if if you (laughs) use if you use a a, a mineral water versus a seltzer it's gonna the the text you're gonna change the texture of the drink I've been dude oh my god thank you from I've been saying this forever and I I haven't found anybody else who who, who can agree with me on it it does look at me like I'm an insane person No, most definitely. I can see we're on the same level. That is amazing. I'm so glad you said that. Oh, man. So, with the... I want to ask more questions about the book, man, but then we can probably talk offline about this because I, I want to nerd out about publishing questions and stuff, so I'll just email you later because I've always wanted to sort of take what I've done over the years with the podcast and maybe put it into some kind of volume. Um linking the stories together and whatnot. Uh, but also, I also have a, a, a book that I wrote a couple of years ago. And then when I started doing the podcast, I kind of uh, fell off of trying to get, trying to pitch it. But it really, uh, that's more of a narrative stuff. But I love writing, man. That's why I reached out to um, Exotica Modern. I love writing and, and I love writing about stuff that I that I enjoy even more. So uh, have you? how long have you been um, with Exotica Modern writing for them? Yeah, almost since the beginning, uh, I missed the first two issues, and I was fascinated by it. And then I, from the third issue on, I think I've been in every single issue. Um, with uh, you know, I, I also develop my own cocktails. So um, sometimes, in addition to an article, you'll you'll find a, one of my cocktails in the back. But yeah, almost since the beginning, for sure. How long ago was that? How long? Was that? Um, I'm, I'm going to say it was. Um, they're up to issue twenty, which is coming out on Monday. I'm, I'm okay. bummed. Because I have to do something to do on Saturday, otherwise it would come. But I think it was 2018, maybe 2017. So about five years. There, yeah. There's four a year. So uh, I mean, my math sucks, but yeah, it, yeah. it's been about 2018, I think. Yeah, I've been I've been so busy this summer. I've uh, 
I, I was in the last two, I think, or two before that last one. And, uh, I got to get, I got to write some more. I like, like to, I, yeah, I, the, uh, I, Hawaiian, I read that. Yeah. 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 And I've done a couple in there and I, I enjoy it, man. I really enjoy, uh, being a part of something that, that I, I like the style of that magazine. I like the, uh, I, I really enjoy the, the music, um, portion in the beginning, the, the recommendations about the new music. Right. I, Cause oftentimes I just kind of don't, you know, I find myself listening to the same stuff that over and over again and not that you know I, I i listen to a lot of reggae and and you know the stuff from when i was growing up in the 90s or whatever but you can you can get into a rut and i like you know having some opportunities to listen to some music that you're probably not going to get recommended on you know uh, on iheart radio you know if those the, some of those tunes right. are a little bit, little bit more obscure you got to go searching for them and i was never really a big fan of that whole surf rock thing until i i I'm, now that I'm listening to it over, you know, from the magazine, I'm starting to pick out things about that I like and groups I like or whatnot. But I'm always a nerd for tiki music, man. The more the exotica type stuff. Yeah, um, and he's got a new label out, and I think they're doing some recordings. But it was really funny because when I was with Ken, he was in New York, and we were at the Polynesian. And they're playing Beach Boys. He was like so disgusted. He hates the Beach Boys. I said, hey, listen, at least, and I love reggae, but at least it's not reggae or at least it's not 80s. The last time I was in here, at least it's something beach, uh, you know, focused, <laughs> you know, um, you can walk into so many tiki bars and you're, and you're like, what are you listening to? It doesn't all have to be Martin Denny, but there's like thousands of songs you could be playing and you're playing, I don't know, st stuff from the 80s that, you know, we've heard like a billion times and you could hear in every single supermarket, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I find and it's, um. I don't know, man. I just, it's it's a genre that we have uh, chosen to to in in at least for myself. It's a genre that I, I have chosen to to uh, pierce into, force myself into. That is, uh, it's so unique and and rife with um, so many different crevices and corners that kind of blend together in this big uh, bunch of little Venn diagrams everywhere. There's the music. There's you know the food, the cocktails, of course. You know, and then just the artwork and the decor, and all wrapped up in a, uh, and you can kind of lean in to whatever side of it that you, you know, happen to be into, and uh, the different the the, the post mod aspects, the the horror tiki, the all the all the weird stuff that 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 can you can wrap up in this this cool little tropical genre that we have. That uh, I I tend to lean more towards the Caribbean stuff than the than the Polynesian stuff, but. I just love it, man. I I want to start getting to more of the uh, the events. Do you, do you ever make it out around the country to the uh, like the Tiki Oasis? I know Castaway is happening next week down in Fort, down in uh, Jacksonville. Yeah, I wanted to get down to the Hukilau because I, I love you know I like that. That's more my speed. I don't want to go to something where there's like thousands of people. The other issue is is that um, usually these events happen at the peak of my busy season at work and sure. since my work is so seasonal like in the winter i'm dead and in the summer i'm flushed it's hard to get away but uh, most definitely i want to get to a hukilau and i can't wait for the reopening of the maikai uh you know when that happens for sure that that is something that i already told my wife when that happens i whatever i'm doing i'm uh, that's the next trip if that opens up uh, that's the next trip i'm doing it even if i just go down for a weekend man we'll have to meet up down there or something uh, yeah that is, I, that, I like it i never got to go when it was open. So I am super excited to, to go check it out as soon as they open back up. 
you know, even if you don't drink and even if you're not a food aficionado, if you go there just for the Polynesian show, it's just amazing. It's like a 40 minute show and they take you through the whole Polynesian triangle addressing all the different cultures with all the different dances and i mean that's the most fascinating thing i don't know how much it is i don't know if it was a 50 bucks or 25 bucks but if you go there for nothing else except for that show it's well worth your time and money so as we're wrapping up a little bit man i uh i want to just make sure that we touch on any uh, on on you and what you're doing and where people can find you man i know you're doing the video thing i know you're uh i know you're still writing for the mag what's what's your do you have an article in this upcoming one yeah, I have one actually with uh, Michael Ruhlman, who is best friends with Tony Bourdain, who is a huge Tiki fan. And that'll be out next week at houseoftaboo.com. Um, you can see all my stuff on tikitriangle.com and my other one, Lukeni, which is just basically uh, Justin in Hawaiian. But either one of those. And uh, yeah, you'll find everything I'm doing. Heck yeah. I was hoping that you would pronounce that so I would know how it's pronounced in the future. So I, I've, yeah. I've always read it, but I've never been able to figure out how you pronounce it. It's either Lukeni or Lukini, either way. But Tiki Triangle is so much easier, and I'm on both places. One's the book, and one's my persona. And when you mentioned the wine, you know, I'm really more into the mid century thing, and I love prohibition cocktails. So Lukeni was supposed to be more of everything, not just Tiki, but mm -hmm. sometimes. Somehow, I always just gravitate towards tiki by nature. I don't know why. It is funny. They, I'm, a lot of the stuff on the podcast, I will get asked sometimes, like when I don't do a tiki drink, like what the deal is. And then I like to harken back to the Prohibition era cocktails as well. Because um, first of all, there's the such rich history behind that. And it it figuratively and literally butts right up into tiki. I believe Don the Beachcombers opened the day after Prohibition was repealed. So it, and there wouldn't be a, there wouldn't be a lot of, you know, if if you uh, if you want to believe the stories about him rum running all over the Caribbean, then you can you, you one can argue that there wouldn't be a tiki if there was not prohibition. So uh, it was that they, you can't have one without the other. So I, I love all that kind of stuff, man. All the all the prohibition style stuff too. Yeah, it's funny because the one book that really immersed me into all of the cocktail culture was um, Forgotten Spirits and Cocktails by Ted Haig. Yep. And there's a drink called the 12 mile limit, because if you wanted a drink during Pro prohibition, you had to take a cruise boat 12 miles outside of the coast of the United States to have one. And that cocktail and, and, and most of the time it was the Caribbean. You'd have to go to Florida and go to the Caribbean. So, yeah, no, they definitely are go hand in hand. And, yeah, I mean, I have great love for prohibition cocktails in general. I mean, when you want something, you know, without the citrus and you just want something clean and sharp. And all about the spirit, yeah. Prohibition cocktails is the go-to place. I just just picked up this past summer, and I, I'm ashamed to say that I haven't haven't got it yet. I just I'm about a quarter of the way into it right now. Is uh, Imbibe by David Wondrick. Right. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I did yeah. him a few months ago. So I just got into. I'm just getting into that now. I haven't gotten to the fun stuff yet. I'm still like in the hist. Well, I'm, the history is the fun stuff, but I mean the uh, I'm, I'm still in the early recipes where there's not a lot of. You know, the, the, not a lot of the stuff that you know that you would know right off the bat. I'm still like in those, and the, the, I was amazed about how. I guess I shouldn't have been amazed, but just the amount of how no, there's not really that. Like we don't know, and there's so much diversity, and it was done so many different ways in so many different places by so many different mixologists. There's so much that it's so hard to pin pinpoint recipes, and that's why I really appreciate guys like David Wondrick, guys like Jeff Berry, these historians that go in and like do all the legwork. So that we can nerd out at home about our, our our ice and our syrups, and 
Yeah, Michael Ruhlman in his current book, Book of Cocktail Ratios, you know, he he, he addresses uh, Windrick a lot. And um, yeah, it, I mean, again, uh, these guys are like legends. And if it wasn't for them, I wonder where we would be, if we would be anywhere further than we were from like uh, the Harvey Wallbanger of the 70s or the uh, Sex on the Beach in the 80s. I mean, well, yeah, no, they, they all... As far as Tiki is concerned, I definitely am glad for guys like Jeff and Martin and Shannon and, and so that we... Uh... So that we're not we're not going into restaurants and getting uh, 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 my ties with grenadine and pineapple juice in them, and or, so, or at, neon green apple teenies at the nightclub from the nineties. So, but all right, man. Well, this has been. Uh, I feel like I can sit here and bullshit with you for a while, and we probably will do this again because this is a lot of fun. And we have we have way too much in common in what we do. Um, it's it's uh for to not to not meet up and do something again in the future. So. Uh, it's been a pleasure thank you and i and i agree 100 percent. i mean you know we we could probably talk easily for another hour but i know you got other things to do but um yeah i mean this is like more than food i could probably go on for more about cocktails forever well before uh before zoom kicks us off here i just want to say thank you man one more time everybody check out the uh check his stuff out all over the place where you find them uh tiki triangle and uh you can catch all the stuff from pod tiki at pod underscore tiki on instagram that's where i'm mostly at podtiki.com whatever you're listening to this uh you can always find everything at podtiki.com including this interview which will be up well when you're hearing this it'll already be up so that won't matter but uh i'll let you know man um when i when i post it we can get together and uh do some so all right ladies and gentlemen keep it tiki out there thank you so much justin and uh we'll talk again soon